Central Coast. Good morning to each and every one of you. I am your host, Melanie Blankenship. Join. What's so funny over there? <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> you can't start scrambling this early in the morning. <laughs> Eric lost his earphones. <laughs> The music okay. comes on and we're both looking around the room. Where are they? <laughs> okay, we're organized this morning, right? <laughs> All right, good morning. Good way to start the show there, Eric, you know, um, as I get ready to push buttons and Eric's um, scrambling to find his earphones. But we're here. Good here morning, Eric. Good morning. Yes. I'm awake now. Okay, good. Yeah, me too, after <laughs> laughing at you. So here we are starting Nature's Neighbor off on a laughing moment because, you know, that's how we are. We think we're prepared until we're not. You know, it's just kind of one of those days. Guys, good morning to you, everyone. I am your host, Melanie Blankenship, and I'm joined with my funny co-host, Mr. Aaron, <laughs> who is the owner of Red Frog Compost and Teas. And you know we can't start Nature's Neighbor off without a little bit of funny. But then also, <laughs> let's talk about the weather. because It could be funny. Oh, it's always funny. you got to laugh at all this craziness yeah. going on around here. But, you know, the weather, Eric, let's talk weather because... Um, are we really going to get a monsoonal storm, do you think? I don't know. I haven't been paying attention, to be honest. I've had my head buried in the sand. Actually, I wish that was true, but I've been, this you, week has been total hell, to be honest. So It's been one of those weeks that it's been, there's like a lot of, like not big flame ups in the fire burning. It's been a lot of, you know, smoldering, flare up, put it down, flare ups. Like that's like the best way to describe kind of how this week has been. Um, I think not for me. You're just all inflamed. I've been, yeah. <laughs> it's oh, been like Christ. scorched earth policy in uh, my world, just with dealing with employees, dealing with different things. It's just everything that could go wrong went wrong. And oh, I'm sorry. And, that's uh, that's like not a a week that you want to remember. At least it's in the past now, right? <laughs> We're moving forward. Yeah. But do Fine. you realize if you don't put your tools in order and get yourself organized from weeks like that, that that anxiety and that exhaustion continues to follow you, right? So, you know, no matter what goes on, no matter how you're feeling, we still got to pick up our tools. We got to collect more tools so that we can do the job better the next time, right? You know, efficiency, yeah. effectively. And, you know, this goes for so many things, especially like with all what Eric and I are doing, you know, when it comes to you know, rebuilding soil, protecting the soil, getting more moisture in the soil. You know, we have these tools already in place. I mean, my goodness, we are such the advanced society that there's pretty much nothing you could ever envision or dream or believe in and it not come true in this world, right? But we're so, like, disconnected. We're scattered. We're overwhelmed. We're uncertain, but yet, the only thing we have guaranteed in our lives are to be born, to pass, but also to change. We're always changing. Everything is always mutating. Everything is, you know, being born or getting older or, you know, coming of age, you know. And everything we do in our human lives is exactly how our farming lives are recognized. It's, you know, we had, you know, uh, Lowell Zielinski on the um, on the show the other day and you know, he's a soil specialist, a consultant. You know, he does all of that. He was on last Saturday, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, to talk about, you know, what organic means or what he's seen. Yes, you know, there's things that 
you know, different growers have to do in order to make those contracts or different agencies that are upon us have to do what was required in the sense of what the voters have passed or what, you know, what money is there or, you know, even most of it, our government agencies are a money collecting agency, right? A money driven agency. You know, every business in our country is a money driving entity, right? So how are they going to go out and make money? You know, there's the whole concept of local. There's a concept of, you know, buying local, understanding what local means. But then there's also all these labels and understanding what all of those are. And there's a lot to this. There's a lot to understanding, you know, going back to, you know, different agencies, whether nonprofit or, you know, for-profit or government, whatever they are, there's employment and there's employment requirements in how we employ or how we pay our employees or how we conduct that nonprofit. And, you know, where I'm going with all of this, everything is driven by money, right? Oh, yeah. And there's so much going on right now with the drought. And to know that, and drought, I kind of laugh at this because where were we, you know, 2007 to 2014, right? Mm -hmm. We were in severe, you know, severity big time, right? Yes, we got a couple years of rain, but we also developed more. We built more. We consolidated and and concentrated more human life into smaller areas, which demand more movement of water within that Mm. area. Um, Well, the other part of that is California, and yeah, I don't see it in too many other states, but we only really look out a year in advance. Oh my goodness. If that. So when, whether we're talking about it, it doesn't matter. And I think I mentioned this last Saturday when he was in that, you know, we're looking, okay, we got water, open up the spigots. Yep. Okay. We don't close them down. Oh, we got some, Oh, we're turning your power off. We, we decided to get rid of all these power plants and look, we don't have the power. We, we're not sure why we didn't think about this last year, but we've moved on. You know what I mean? <laughs> I hate to keep the humor up, but it's just ridiculous. We have no foresight. And what's supposed to be the greatest technological state in the union, right? Yeah. Are we not supposed to? I mean, that's what I hear constantly. We just keep paying, though, as as voters. Mm-hmm. We keep just paying as employment. We keep just paying as business owners, as as landowners, as renters, as whatever, you know, investors. We just keep paying. And, you know, when do we get to the point where we can't pay anymore? Yes, mm-hmm. there's a lot of us that are starting to really realize that. And I'm going to give you an example. I had a regulator walk in, and yes, he's a subcontractor to the regulation. And he walked in to Nature's Touch Nursery and Harvest the other day. And my employment shared with him that he they were not comfortable for that inspection to take place with me not there. I was farming. So, you know, I get a text. They're there. So what do I do? I hightail it to the store. Stop farming. <laughs> go to the store to deal with this regulator, Right. This regulator comes in, and I'm like, why are you here again? And I mean, honestly, like, I'm a business owner. I know my infrastructure. I know what it costs to run that place. So I asked. I said, why are you here? And he was like, well, it's, you know, it's time. And I'm like, no. When this implementation of this ordinance went in, I was inspected. I was permitted. I was, you know, one of the only ones that had... The ability, and I'm just going to put it out there. It's it's about my um, our sewer system in Templeton, and I have a commercial kitchen 
And so we have grease traps mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. So I said, we don't produce, I mean, we do very minimal animal proteins in our kitchen. We do them, but we do very minimal. We use olive oil, not vegetable or canola oil. We use things that don't create a, a byproduct in the grease traps. So very rarely do I need to have it cleaned or is there ever a problem? Because we don't create that. Realistically, you know, all our food scraps are going into a bucket to create compost to feed to animals or to, you know, create compost. No, I do not create waste on the average of what most people do. And me, why? Because I thought about this years ago. It's like, if I'm going to build this, how do I become really, truly sustainable in that system where I'm not creating waste and creating a, a, a product I can't deal with? How do I keep everything going full circle so that I can afford it and I can continuously put back into the infrastructure? Long story short, you know, he shows me this list of all these people that he has to go and inspect. And granted, he's an independent contractor. He doesn't, he doesn't get paid unless he, by government, he doesn't get paid mm -hmm. by government unless he goes out and fills out all of this paperwork, right? And here, it's easy to walk into the ones that are already permitted and create that, you know, exemption to this rule. Like, okay, well, yeah, I got to go inspect her. Well, she's a permitted. Then he shares with me because I'm like, why are you here? Right? I asked that question because at the end of the day, yeah, it's easy to come in and inspect me. But what about all the other, and he, he expresses to me that we have a lot of fog, you know, whatever that means. It's the byproduct word that creates the grease that is getting harder and harder on our infrastructure, a.k.a. our sewage system, to break that stuff down and to do away with that, right? And so he shares with me that there's a majority of people in Templeton that don't even have grease traps or that there's, you know, people that have no idea what they're throwing down their sinks and creating this fog in our sewer systems, right? But yet here I am permitted where... But it's easy to come in. And yeah, does it cost me anything? It did, but now it doesn't. You know, like, but it cost me time. Yeah. And it cost me, me continuously having to explain why I don't create grease or why I, I'm like, it was funny because <laughs> Muna, my business partner, walks in the kitchen with beautiful Napa cabbage and carrots. She's getting ready to make, you know, Chinese chicken salad. And I, he, he like watches as he walks in. I'm like, that doesn't create grease like that. You know, and I, you know, I'm expressing this to him. But and where I'm going with this is if he was only one of 100, maybe I wouldn't feel so frustrated. I know I heard that noise, too. Um, I wouldn't feel so frustrated that it's like, OK, what next? Yeah. Right. Well, the thing is, too, is I keep thinking that the citizens of this county, state, we're it's gonna get we're we're gonna get eventually sick of these new taxes and they're not even really taxes we the fees enact fees yes and and then we say California doesn't have the highest taxes but we have more fees than you can and I, and and we self-impose these in elections yep. and it's just always surprising to me and then we complain about the high cost of everything whether right? it's food whether it's fuel um, well, and people said you know I kept telling people during the fuel tax. There's the uh, there's other taxes going into effect over the next next 20 years. You realize like next year, not with that fuel tax, but there's 
12 cents here, 12 and a half cents. You know what I mean? And we wonder why we, and we do it to ourselves. And that's just one example. And we seem to be content. I, you know, when I vote, how much money is this going to cost? And they're really, that's, I mean, I'm looking at it's money. And then, you know, I look secondly, what is it about? Very rarely are you going to see me vote to raise any tax, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, but we just keep doing it. And yeah. uh, it's, it's quite well, I'm amazing. Just gonna, and, I mean, and creating more jobs for the regulators. state and local legislators. Uh, <laughs> legislators that literally yeah. make money off of tax collection. Yep. And fee collection. Yeah. And at the same time, and make money. When you're an employee, you're making money, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a check, a paycheck is making money, right? So, and if the system itself is not making money, then that paycheck isn't going to yeah. come. So, you know, there's that whole concept and that whole thing. But at the end of the day, I mean, where Eric and I are going in this conversation is when do we draw the line? Mm -hmm. When? All right, we have a phone caller. Hi, you're on Nature's Neighbor. Hi. Boy, you're talking about a really a subject that I wish people in the larger metropolitan cities could hear. They don't know anything about water, about soil. They don't pay attention to it when the, the, they vote. They have not a clue. They just think the water just comes out of the tap, just like they think food comes from the market. No, and that's, I wish there was a way we could educate people in larger cities about the farmers and what they go through. Yeah, and it was interesting because in um, Irvine, and you saw this with the schools down there, Irvine used to have a farming district. And, you know, if you know anything about Irvine, California, it's basically owned yeah. by a company. <laughs> yeah. Oop. Oop. Hold that thought, sweet. We're going to go to a break and we're going to put you on hold. So we'll come okay. right, right back to you when we get back. Welcome back to Nature's Neighbor. I'm your host again, Melanie Blankenship, joined with my co-host, Mr. Eric. And we're also joined with a neighbor on the phone. And we love your your expression of how do we educate people in the metropolitan area. You were expressing yeah. about Irvine. Yeah, it's yeah. owned by a corporation. So it's owned by a corporation. There used to be a lot of farming in Ir Ir Irvine. Right. And, um, and now there is actually not one. I don't believe there's a farm left. But they had these little farms that kind of were holdouts as the houses moved closer and closer and closer as the Irvine Corporation kept building. And I was kind of proud of what happened down there because the school started showing up. The teacher said, this is where we need to take our field trips. We need to go visit these farms. And they talked about soil. They talked about water. They let their the kids get their hands in the dirt. They actually educated them about the whole process of farming. And unfortunately, and that was one of the last groups in Southern California I knew that did that. There's a handful of farmers, and it, there's just no farmers anymore because it's all houses at this point or an ice skating rink. I mean, literally, I think the last farm that fell, they built an ice skating rink. And that's, yeah. and then, I mean, probably more than likely, it's probably sitting there vacant right now, too. Probably, yeah. Um, you know, and that's if a, only we Go ahead. If only we could get more ag programs in the schools down there, maybe that would help. Every time I get a an email that says something about the farmers or they're doing this up here, I email it to everybody I know down there. <laughs> I encourage them to buy Tillamook because it's a farmer company. A, Tillamook cheese and Tillamook ice cream is really good. <laughs> but you know what's really sad, though, is, you know, we can sit here and say, you know, the big metropolitan areas need to change but 
we in this community need to change first. If we're, what? you know, like my whole concept, if we expect to ever change Sacramento, let alone Washington, let alone San Luis, right? Because that's where our yep. government entities are. <laughs> and we, I mean, how, how can we ever expect to fix those when we can't even fix our own home? Mm-hmm. Here, you know, I'm talking about a regulator, you know, in Templeton. You know, look what's going on in Paso. I mean, just knock next door to your neighbor and ask them, do you have an idea where your water is coming from? Just that basic, just that basic thing. Or how about, did you realize that the label that you purchased at your big box system realistically just ripped you off because you think you're buying organic, but realistically you're not. You're buying a claim. You're claiming it to the USDA that it could possibly have something in that product that might be organic. Mm-hmm. But then to define organic, my organic is definitely a lot different than Eric's organic, but we now have this conversation where he understands what I'm working for when I say the product is organic. He now, we, him and I both together, we're on the same page, but the way that we describe it is different because mm-hmm. of his applications versus mine. And look at, we do business together you know, I buy his compost to sell at my store because now everything that we have in our relationship as, as co-business people, we're on the same page. Exactly. Did I settle? Did he settle? No. We found a mutual agreement where I want no residuals. I want transparency. I want to build the soil. I want water retention. I want to know that the product that I'm purchasing is safe for my own community. So it's not about just buying something or buying a label. It's honestly buying the product that I'm standing here wanting to get. And that is where, you know, these whole agencies and this whole concept is most people are completely disconnected from the reality of what their dollar is even going to. I mean, back in, was it, what did we say? 2014, Mm -hmm. Prop 1 was passed by the voters. $7.1 billion was supposed to go to water infrastructure, water Ah. policies, right? (laughs) $7.12 billion. Where's that money right now? Seven, six years, six years later, that same year we passed Sigma sustainable groundwater management program, right? That was all supposed to be about managing groundwater and, and preserving and sustaining groundwater. Right. That same year. But I mean, what did we do? We generated more fees. We generated more regulations. We generated more agencies to go out and regulate yours and my neighbors. That's what we did. And at the end of the day, every time and I'm going to say this on the radio right now, every time (laughs) we turn to government and expect something to protect us, all we do is pay for it and have less protection, have less entity of what we're trying to go or so true but at the same time anyway. why am i speaking well, bless this? you guys for what you're doing right. <laughs> we need, <laughs> we need to and teach our neighbors more people informed but yeah. we do the best we can and you certainly do thank you you're welcome thank you, thank you. bye-bye no and it's 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 not me speaking it's me you know having the ability to speak up and say what the heck guys mm-hmm. i am at the point where how do we keep Paying for this, like, but it's there to protect you, Melanie. Oh yes, you haven't figured that out. I mean, that, that's what the guise of everything that happens is. It's for your own protection. And well, let's talk about protection. That same year, Governor Brown uh, of a 2012, 
pass a policy of it is a human right that we all have clean, safe, um, drinkable cooking water, right? Yeah. That same year. Six years later, what's that bill created? Oh, a ton of charts and a ton of employment that have gotten paid a lot of money to tell us that the own entities that California government is supposed to be overseeing and protecting, a.k.a. our schools, our, you know, everything government is supposed to be paying for and protecting, right? We have huge reports saying that 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 same act that Governor Brown signed into law in 2012 has come for in April 2021, saying this huge charts and huge reports that pretty much everything government cannot comply with safe water. Mm -hmm. Well, I tell you, like, and I think I started to tell you this when we walked in here this morning. But I had an employee, and I can't remember, I, the name of the town slipped in, but over in the valley, he moved here in probably 2016, 2017. And the reason he moved here is because it's at this school, they had turned off, locked the bathrooms, brought in outhouses, the drinking fountains were turned off so the kids could have bottled water. They had to bring in bottled water because they had to be able to give them something. Right. But they are in such a drought in that area. And it's bugging me that I can't remember the name of the town. But, well, Tulare, but that whole Tulare County is having huge problems yeah. right now. Yeah. And the water over there is horrible to begin with. So. Well, I mean, because, I mean, we've haven't we've had management, but we haven't had enough management. And mm -hmm. look at what I'm saying. Just in a grease trap or grease um, discharge in a tiny community of Templeton, it can't even manage it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And because we have people that are complying and then we have people that aren't complying and or don't know what to comply to. Mm -hmm. But yet, I mean, how do we get so disconnected? Like, you know, and it, I see how people are, you know, being retail and having people walk in and the things that people are asking for, you know, what, you know, want raw milk or want, you know, is this organic? You know, well. Define to me what your organic means, right? Because <laughs> yes, to me it is organic. But then yeah. when I sit here and talk to them, I'm like, you realize we don't even buy over the counter anything, like mm -hmm. or farm permitted anything that has any type of residual. Like, and people look at me like, what? Do you, well, I just don't want any pesticides. Well, I'm like, well, what about the inoculants or what about the fertilizers or what about insecticides? Right? You said no pesticides. And when people go, well, what do you mean by all of that? Bactericides or fungicides. Yeah, there's so many sites. But the yeah. thing is, is like even just in this community, we have the, like, just, you know, yes, I've been doing this for so many years. Yes, I consult this business as well as have a retail store that says, you know, here, this is what I have. And yeah, would I like it to be more affordable? Okay, define that one. You know, <laughs> what, yeah. yeah, I, you know, I want, I'd, I believe that my standards of food and food quality and honesty and ethics is a right and a deservant to yeah. everyone. I don't think what a grocery store or a discount or old food, I don't think anybody deserves that. Because, mm. I mean, look at our world right now. All we're going to talk about is how many sick people we have, right? We wouldn't have sick people if we had healthy food, if we had healthy soil. We all know this. It's as simple and as basic as the soil we stand on is the health that we carry. Mm -hmm. 
People are asking why certain areas have more of an outbreak than others. I truly believe it's the access to fresh water, fresh, clean water, right? Mm -hmm. Healthy foods and having foods available to us that come strictly from the soil. You know, there's so much to that where people, people don't understand. Um, could that be our, our, yeah, our, our water? Our, our, yes. Okay. So we have a phone caller. Hi, is this Greg? Yes. Hello there. How are uh, you guys doing? Hi. Good morning, my yeah. Mr. Coco host. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm very good. Good. Okay. So, so on uh, Wednesday, uh, this coming Wednesday on the 21st, the first day of the fair, at 4 p.m., there's going to be a GSA cooperative meeting, but it's going to be a Zoom meeting. I don't know why it can't be in person. Uh, and it's going to discuss some certain things. One of the things is we got back a letter with a couple I'll call deficiencies on more information needed for our GSP, which is a groundwater sustainability plan. And so they're going to be discussing, okay, uh, it, it, it sort of details what they want, but not exactly what they want. So we need to set up some meetings with the DWR people, that's the Department of Water Resources, and just say, okay, what do you want? Well, one of those things is they want to know what is the interconnectivity between surface water and groundwater. And the other one, and they want more information. And the other one is, what is the, uh, uh, our issues with shallow wells? And so I've been putting together information uh, for that. But I was going back over the, uh, the first annual report, which covered 2017, 18, and 19. And then this last year, we sent in a report that covered 2020. And just within a few pages, uh, now, this is metered water being used from Nacimento for Paso Robles. So, in, in, uh, there's almost 1,400 acre feet of errors between 17, 18, and 19 from the original report to their corrections. How, how, do, you, how do you read a meter wrong? <laughs> there's I numbers on the little dial. You just have to read them and write it down. I think my PG&E meter gets me read wrong. <laughs> How can you be that far off? So just to give you an example, so when you add up what they say the correct numbers are now, that equals 4,952 acre feet of water that they used from Nacimento over the last four years. They were allowed to use 25,952. They wasted 2,100 acre feet of water. I mean, 21,000 acre feet of water. So when people want to know, so you still have to pay for the water, whether you use it or not. They're paying for the pipeline, the $200 million pipeline. Uh, that 2,100 acre feet of water over those four years could still be in the basin if they would have used that first. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then there's, a, there's differences in all kinds of things. You know, they try to add the golf courses that are in the city with the rural people. And, and just different things. But these people that are involved in writing these reports, they, they've been involved in this, basin, in this basin writing reports for 25 to 30 years. And how can they, from every time they get a new job, they're with a new company. We've had the same companies that revolve around here. And so I just look at all their reports, and I look at who was involved with the thing, and then they come back and they want another job about writing a report. Is the report just a way to kick the can down the road so that we satisfy, uh, like like the inspector that comes into your place, we just satisfy them, okay, you guys say you're going to do this in here, so we believe you, so we'll wait, and then five years later, 
oh, we, we got a new report. We didn't do that, but we changed and we're going to do this. That's exactly what, exactly what took place in my inspection. So, Greg, hold that thought. We're going to go to break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Nature's Neighbor. I'm your host again, Melanie Blinkenship, joined with my co-host, Mr. Eric, who is the owner of Red Frog Compost and Teas, and also Greg Graywall, who is my co-co-co-host, All About Water. He's actually on the phone line, calling in to invite each and every one of us to, and it's, I mean, no offense, I actually like the whole Zoom meetings because I don't have the ability to leave my store, leave the farm is easy, but I can put Zoom right on my phone and continue to work and listen to these meetings and participate in these meetings. So, yes, I like, like, especially I would love to have Greg back in the <clears throat> the building when uh, we have these meetings because, you know, when Greg walks in the room, it's not no small guy, you know, <laughs> and not no quiet voice. <laughs> but, you know... Well, the, when Zoom, we, the Zoom meetings are... Uh, I, I, I agree with you. They need both. It, it, yeah. The hard thing about the Zoom... Um, I'm going over documents that they produce. So you need to be in person. You need to be show them in their documents where they made errors or where they, or I guess they, I guess they just don't think nobody reads this stuff. Because I don't know how from one page to another page in the different things you could be, I'm looking at the measured groundwater from Paso. Now this measured groundwater, it comes through a meter. How can you be off from one report to the next or one page to the next a 400-acre-foot difference Yeah, year to year? And where's the accountability in that? We're, like who, we're exactly. Yeah, we're, when, we're, we're turning this into the state. We're asking, and, and these are the guys that want to claim that you should pay them more because they're doing a job. They've all been around for a long time. And I'm looking at this stuff, and I'm going, you haven't done your job for the last 25 years. Yeah, well, that's, you know, I started the show off with, you know, Eric and I are talking about, you know, the cost of doing business or the cost to live here or the cost to just, you know, live anymore. And, you know, with with us passing Sigma in 2012, with Prop 1 passing the $7.12 billion in water infrastructure, we were in a drought, a, a historical drought from 2007 to 2000, whatever, 14, 11, whoever whatever scientist is getting paid to say whatever year, right? But at the same time, we never came out of it. We've still been in it. And now we're, I mean, we're so quickly back to talking drought again, but yet we passed all these measures and all these fees and all these, we created all these agencies that were supposed to protect each and every one of us from when this possibility could come again. Yet... We, you and I are sitting here going, yeah, we spent all this money. We did everything we were not supposed to, right? We built more. We planted more. We mismanaged more than we've ever have in, in history. And yet now we're getting ready to pass even more bills and initiatives and bonds and move money and do this and do that. But yet none of the agencies that were being paid to keep us out of this are being held accountable, like, how many more agencies do we need or entities or regulators or all of this before we go, okay, enough with the, the mismanagement of funds and corruption. Uh, you're not doing your job, so therefore you don't belong in your job. Like, 
sorry, I don't want anybody to lose their job, but when you're not doing it, how do we afford to keep you there? Correct. I mean, why spend $200 million to build a 45-mile pipeline called the Nazi Mental Pipeline and have almost 16,000 acre-feet of water available every year and then not use it? And then claim, well, uh, that costs more, so we're going to use this other water first. Why didn't they build the treatment plant right at the beginning of the pipeline from the lake so it was already treated in the pipe so each place didn't have to do something different? And I know at Tascadero, uh, they, they have a way of, of using that water that goes back into the aquifer uh, for their wells, so they didn't need the treatment plant. But it still could have been part of the bigger picture because I don't even know how much some of the other entities uh, aren't using because San Luis, the city of San Luis Obispo has uh, over 4,000, I think close to 5,000 acre feet of water that they could use. And if they were using that, they wouldn't be taking the water out of Santa Margarita, that's the Salinas River, that would recharge our basin. I am so tired of the woulda, coulda, shouldas. <laughs> I'm so tired of it. Like, yeah, it was the same. It was, I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. And then in this report, they talk about all the water that's available in the different parts. So we have river water, state water. The only one that gets state water is, is the little town of Shannon. But in the first three years, they, they used less than half of what they could have used. And in this last year, in 20, they, they didn't use any of it. When you use 110 acre feet for your little town, and you have 100 acre feet of state water available, and you only have to pump 10 from the basin, what would you do? <laughs> so great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, magical you, questions, you, right? You leave uh, the, do you leave the milk in the refrigerator and then go milk the cow and use the fresh milk and just leave the old one to go rotten in the refrigerator? Or, or I mean, so I got a, I got a question. This question has been bugging me for years, and it's a little off subject. So years ago, uh, I was building the um, Kennedy Club Fitness in Tuscadero or Paso Robles, excuse me, and they were surveying the engineers were surveying getting the water and where the water lines were going to run for the nascimento project and i remember asking them you know about the cleaning plant and they were talking about you know originally paso was going to do what atascadero does but i never really got an explanation of why or who was you know if there was people against it back then about injecting it into the aquifer or i don't know if you have any information on why they went with a cleaning plant instead of recharge because I know they were thinking of recharge originally. Yeah, I don't. I don't know where their recharge area would be within the city limits. You know what I mean? Okay. And then, and then, if you do, if you do or claim that you're recharging when you're really you're, you're where does that water go? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they couldn't stop the water from the earthquake that came out of the library parking lot that mm-hmm. was the sulfur water, and so. What effects did the 2003 earthquake have on the, on the aquifer below us? Did it make things better for some and worse for others? Did it, did it, did it mess up some people's wells because it broke their, their draw, I'll call it, that goes down to where they suck their water from? Uh, a lot of the things. We, we, I can, by looking at well reports, I can isolate three to four areas, and I can tell you that in those specific areas, why the, why the, by looking at their addresses, and they're all close to each other, so take the El Pomar area, the wells that had to be replaced over a certain period of time were all after the Hardin Ranch was turned into the Justin uh, Vineyard, 
and they put in two giant uh, uh, ponds, and they pump all the time, and then those homes had to go from 300 feet for well water to 700 feet. And I know what the cause was, just like over by the Australia area. The Australia area, all the things around there is the city's well, because they're not reducing their pumping and using their Nazi water, and also the large vineyards that went in around those homes. You know, and you guys know, a lot of people over-irrigate because they were trying to get a historic use documented so they could claim that, that they have a, a right to a certain amount of water to do whatever. So if the percent, if they ever got cut back, they, they didn't really have to cut back because they were using more in the first place to kind of, you know, work the system. And how is that beneficial for anybody? And what, where's, where's the equal rights of the rest of your neighbors? But it does seem like the more policies that we have or the more requirements or the new regulation or new fees that we're going to be paying, it does seem like we have more people or more entities figuring out the open end of those policies or the exemptions of those policies to capitalize on it. So how many more rules and regulations or charts and fees and all this do we have to have when at the end of the day there's always a gray area or there's always room for interpretation on how to implement it or how the regulation is going to be enforced or if we can even enforce it. I mean, we have all these regulations that we can't enforce because we don't have the staff or money or whatever, but then even when they try, it's like a pick and choose oh, well, let's see what we can get out of this person. Let's see if we can enforce this regulation on this person. But yet, at the same time, the problem people or the problem businesses that are overstepping the way the regulation was intended to be are still getting away with it. Exactly. Well, if you look at these... They're either appointed or they got a special job and, oh, we made a mistake. Yeah, exactly. And there's no accountability. Well, the problem is, to me a little different is that we don't look at the totality of the situation. No, not at all. We look at, we put band-aids on things and we research a, a more holistic approach, but we never get to it. I mean, the County has, for instance, been talking about stormwater capture I know. forever. When are we going to do something what about storm? it? But we can put band-aids all over the place, I put that, but we I don't put, find I put solutions. Staff, Eric, because we, you, you propose these things, they give staff some supposedly direction. Staff goes back to their offices and then kind of does what they want. They exactly. don't follow the direction. If, I, if you give some, if you give one of your workers some direction, Greg, you gotta hold it, hold it tight, buddy. We gotta okay. go to break. Hold tight. All right. To nature's neighbor, I'm your host again, Melanie Blankenship, joined with my co-host, Mr. Eric, and also my other co-host. Mr. Greg Graywall, who is on the phone line with us, who we, you know, we get off and start talking about this, but you were calling in to notify the public that there is a um, GSA? G GSA, a, a Groundwater Sustainability Agency meeting on uh, 4 p.m. It's a Zoom. Um, you can go to the um, um, Slow County uh, and There'll be a listing of the meetings. I just Google it on my phone, or or if so, you get a, you can sign up on a list where they give you these notifications on a regular basis, so you know when the stuff's going to go up. These meetings are are held quarterly, roughly, except if they need a special one. So there's four entities 
that are part of the GSA cooperative group, which isn't really cooperative. Uh, it's the city. It's the city of Paso Robles, the CSD of uh, San Miguel, uh, the county of San Luis Obispo, and the Shannon San Juan uh, San Juan uh, Water uh, District. Not real water district. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at the end of the day, too, like, you know, why are we inviting each and every one of you guys to be regulars on the San Luis County website and all of these meetings? Because, yeah, you can tune in, listen to us, and we can give you bits and pieces. You can call. You can, you know, ask us questions. Anybody in this community, whether you're a renter, whether you're an owner, you're a business owner, whatever, these do affect you directly, effectively, immediately. Like, and the sad thing is, is I am tired of getting people coming to me and go, oh, I heard. Where did you hear that from? You know, and that's where it's like, okay, how about you hear the same thing I hear? Come to the meetings. Listen to the meetings. You can hear what we, what's getting us all riled up and upset. And then you can look at your all of your bills, PG&E, water, gas all these bills, and you can see what you would really be paying for the product, or you can also then turn the page and read all the fees you are paying for. And then you can hear what we are getting riled up about because it isn't about fixing things. It's about just adding more fees to things or making these people pay so these other people can play. And yeah, the, I mean, it's, it, if, if you or Eric had workers, and in this case, we'll say staff, and and you tell them what you want done. If they don't understand, they need to ask you for more information to understand what it is that you're trying to have them complete. When they come back to you later or you go there to check on them and what you asked for isn't what you got, you're not going to be very happy. And like you were saying, well, there's, what, of our, what, of our, uh, what can we do with it then? They always take it all the time they want. This these uh, deficiencies, we hired a company called Montgomery & Associates, and they were picked by these people, and they actually worked for the DWR. So I was in a meeting when they got hired, and I go, okay, you guys, is there a conflict because you worked with the DWR? No, no, we're going to do a good job. We can do this job, whatever. They knew what our bid was going to be. They, they got $1.3 million out of the $1.5 million that the that the Department of Water Resources gave us to do the GSP. And then, so now, I said, well, all they need is some more information on these two things. Call up Montgomery and Associates and, and get them, you know, cracking on it and finding out what the DWR wants. Oh, well, they might not want the job. I said, wait a minute. They didn't complete the job satisfactorily if the DWR didn't approve it. So what do you mean? Who wrote the contract for this? Yeah, who paid them? Yeah, so they got paid up to – there wasn't anything in the contract that if you put down something that doesn't have enough information, you're not going to add a little more? And they want, so now the county staff is saying, well, we think it's going to take about another $80,000 to answer these questions, these two questions. I go, you got to be kidding me, because I can answer them in about 10 minutes. Yeah, I'll do little, it for 40. I'll do it for 40,000. That little thing that uh, you should put in your contract about retention, you know, when these things come up, you haven't paid your full amount and you don't get it until it passes. I mean, I don't know why the county doesn't do that. We're going to retain 10% of your contract. Yeah. And when it passes the DWR, we'll give you your 10%. If it doesn't, you need to rectify the situation, and then we'll give you the 10%. It's just crazy to think about all of this. Labels, regulation, 
how business is is conducting in a sense, because I mean, we are talking the business of water right now, guys. Like it's, yeah. it's not about you think you just put a well in and get it now. It is a cost of doing business, whether you're a resident or a business owner, farmer, like all of us. But at the end of the day, what is crazy to me is that we're going to, going to sit here and continue to pay and maybe get a little bit, maybe not, you know, continue to pay. And then at the end of the day, the problem is, is there's corruption. And there is illegal stuff going on, but it continues until somebody gets enough money to hire that attorney to take this to court. Then we pay all that money in court fees and the time that it takes to go to court. Most of this stuff actually, when it goes to court, ends up in favor of the landowner, the farmer, not the, the, not the government agencies that are coming in and telling us. If you look at the history of, you know, water, soil, farming issues that make it to court, it ends up going in favor of the small people that are, you know, going by the law, but not trying to manipulate it or trying to find that gray area. But yet, who can afford their attorneys? Who can, I mean, we can barely this afford is, the fees, let alone the, the attorneys. Just in the, just in the quiet title action, we're, we're, we're in year eight. The entities against us have spent over $9 million, and their whole deal was to try to divide us, make it cost a lot so that, so that we would hopefully drop out even though they knew they were wrong. We've had five uh, separate trials within the main body of the thing, and we've come out the victor on all of them, and they know they don't have a leg to stand on, but they don't want to deal. I mean, even the, uh, you know, the second trial was Paso Robles suing a Tascadero saying that they weren't a separate basin. Just think if we could just had a football game instead of going to court. It would have been a lot cheaper. Oh and the Bearcats take on the Greyhounds all the time, <laughs> right? <laughs> just kidding. Because you know yeah. those are our rivals, right, Eric? Oh, Come yeah. on, we got to yeah. lighten up this conversation a little bit. <laughs> you know, and that's the thing. I always feel like I'm on the defensive team. You know, my, my boys are defensive, you know, linebackers. But, you know, when do we get a better offense? I'm ready for a better offensive team. And the reason why I'm saying this is, hello, community. When it comes to government, we should not be intimidated or we should not be afraid to ask these questions. We should not be afraid to show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it could cost me what? But it is already costing me. But at the end of the day, if we get better together and gather, get on the same page, we don't all have to like each other. Can you imagine what we can get the corruption out of this and actually move forward in a lot of this? Speaking of that, I'm moving forward. I'm going to Nature's Touch to go back to work where I can help you learn how to do it yourself. Eric? I think I'm going to Cambridge to a barbecue. Lucky, I want to go. That's beauty. (laughs) Craig, thank you so much. I've got to go start some water. I already fed the cattle. Uh Uh-oh. Don't waste waste it. All right, buddy. I'll see you soon. Guys, GSA meeting, 4 p.m. Google it on the county website. On the 21st, is coming up Wednesday. Guys, take care. Have a good weekend. We'll talk on Monday. Nature's neighbor.